bonus podcast episode. Uh, it's Eric and someone from the health department is going to be on here in just a second. I'm going to let her introduce herself. We've mentioned her on the air and on the show before, but she has a very unusual name and looks nothing like what you would expect with her name. And it's going to be a, a fun, like, 30-minute chat about a lot of things going on. Obviously, the health department, we, we've become too familiar with it over the last six months, but this is not necessarily... Um, COVID will be on the periphery of this interview because we're going to talk about something that the Toledo Fire Department has, and we got to dive back into some one-demic that we're already way too familiar with, the, uh, the opioid and overdose epidemic. So we'll dive into that. We've got some new numbers, but also a new way that... Uh, that uh, what, what did she call them? I'll let her explain it. There's a, a more appropriate name for people who suffer from addiction or uh, addicts. There's, there's a name that she has that we can explain. Um, is that mic on? Let me, is that it? Say hi. 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 No. Try that. Hi. No. Boy, I work here one week. Try it again. Hi. There we go. I get booted from the morning show for one week and I uh, forget the microphones. That's Josh. Hey. Um, if you're a long time person, and we're going to get to to this person to the interview in just a second here, um, but if you're long time familiar with the show, Josh is our engineer friend that went to China. Yes, that's <laughs> that's how we introduce you. You were uh, standing in here uh, eavesdropping for the last ten minutes of that interview. Any any thoughts? Did, did it sound someone interest, interesting or boring? Sounded very interesting. Are you lying? No. Do you want to tell everybody quickly about the bad card decision you made yesterday? I made a bad card decision? I did bad, not make a bad card decision. How much are you paying for that thing? 500 a month. You're paying 500 a month for... Now, what are you going to... You're uh, 500 a month for how long? 66 months. So, five and a half years? Yes. Is that right? Yeah, about right. And how long does the warranty last? Seven years, 100,000 miles. Okay. And you intend to keep this car for a decade? Yes, yeah. Okay, what are you going to do in the eighth year when something breaks? Because it will break. Well, hopefully I'll uh, get that extended warranty like Susie is always trying to. Or is it I've Tiffany? Heard those, or... I've heard those commercials. <laughs> Whoever hey. is bugging me. Yeah, I, I get those calls. You could have just waited for me. 350 bucks, Newer vehicle. Lease. <sighs> I hate to tell you this. I've already driven 100 miles just for work. We, we would have worked on that. Though you could have just waited one day, I was all excited to go buy a car with you. Should have came. I I invited you out that noon. Like, I was busy. What are you doing? I have shit to do. You sometimes. have nothing to do. You sleep now. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, you should have seen the look on Jerry's face because I was in here being loud at like seven thirty in the morning, and Jerry looked in. And what are you doing at seven thirty now? I. So I've set my alarm the last couple of days for five forty. No. And I keep waking up before that. And I'm in here because we we got a podcast to record. Okay. So I, I can is that I, what you're doing? I can either go to uh, I can either go to a Panera uh, or Starbucks and sit and drink coffee there and catch up on things, or I can come here and drink the coffee and we can podcast at the same time. I prefer you doing it in here. Why? It sounds better. No, 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 no. I I wouldn't be podcasting from Starbucks. But I can be there drinking. Well, I mean, you're still recording. What? You're still recording, right? No. I'm. That's what I'm saying. I can either waste an hour at Starbucks drinking coffee, oh. or I can be here drinking coffee, and we can be recording a podcast. 
be here then. It's more productive. Thank you. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I'm going to play the interview now, and I'm glad that you gave it a thumbs up. Maj has a lot to talk about. It sounded like it. Hello. This should be okay. Okay. Um, if if the phone doesn't work, then I'm just going to go. That Bedford really doesn't have the technology that it needs, and that explains a lot of the backwards views that happen there. <laughs> sure. And I'm I'm leaving that in this podcast. Are you okay if we if we slam on Bedford during this? Is that going to is that going to hurt your work stuff? It's not going to hurt my work stuff. I work for Lucas County. <laughs> okay. Um. So, uh, please let me introduce. She's not really a friend, but she knows everybody in the crew. Uh, Ma- Ma- Will you pronounce your full name instead of me just saying Maj? Yeah. So my full first name is Majida. My last name's Stefan. <laughs> okay. And um, you work for the county, but I guess more specifically, the health department? Sure do. This is going to... Now, hold on a second. People that are listening are like, the health department... How boring is this going to be? Well, hold on a second. Maj is very friendly with our friend Ashley and very, well, close enough with Floyd. You've had times with our people. So hopefully that sets it up to, to let people know that this will not be super boring. Not some boring county employee they sent my way to talk about COVID numbers, right? Right, we do have a couple of people in common. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, because everybody knows everybody here, and and one of these days sure. we will we will get you out of Bedford because you are you're on an island alone there, and, and you're not going to be able to make the change that you want on by yourself. <laughs> Thanks for the confidence. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, anyway, so the Toledo Fire Department did something pretty cool, and I scrolled across, I scrolled, you, you brought it up to me, and I didn't know about it, but then I saw the article today, uh, it was probably on the, I saw it on the Blade News slide app, uh, mm-hmm. and other places. One, uh, people probably saw the headline that, that opiate overdoses are way up, and something about um, Narcan, uh, Naxalone, did I say that right? Naloxone, you were close. No, Naloxone. Yeah, I, I transpose the but letters. Narcan is fine. Okay. Honestly, Narcan's like the common. All right. So. Well, we'll 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 smash all this together because really this has been something that um, I think a lot of people have forgotten about, and I've just been sitting and waiting for um, other effects and damages from the the COVID pandemic to to hit things like that were already happening. Um, I talked about yesterday how there's 130 suicides every single day in America. That's that's an epidemic. Uh, everybody knows about the opioid, an overdose epidemic that we've been battling for years, and it seems like we made a small dent in it. And with the COVID pandemic, that was going to raise the numbers with these other things. But TFD really swooped in and did something pretty cool, right? Yeah, they sure did. This is where you tell me about it. Okay, so. Toledo Fire, um, when the, when COVID started, it was really hard because a lot of the service organizations that were getting out there with harm reduction, with Narcan, um, you know, with everything that was offered as a resource had to kind of cease um, because we didn't really know how to get out there in a safe way to keep us safe, the community safe. Um, but Toledo Fire really stepped up. And Lieutenant Zach Reed is just this amazing human being. Um, and he's always been so helpful to the coalition, which I actually chair the Lucas County Opiate Coalition too. Um, so, you know, he's been providing us with data because Toledo Fire is typically going to be the first one that arrives on scene um, to an overdose. And 
you know, Toledo Fire has always carried Narcan, has always given Narcan to revive individuals who have overdosed, but now they want to leave a kit with that person. Um, so when someone overdoses and the fire department gets on scene, they are either going to be transported to a hospital um, or they're going to, as long as, you know, they survived, um, they're going to go against medical advice and, you know, stay at home. Mm-hmm. They call that an AMA run. Um, and Toledo Fire said, hey, we should we should actually leave the resource with those people. You know, if they're going to go against medical advice, stay home, let's give them an Arcan kit. Let's show their friends, their family, whoever's with them at the time how to use it. Um, give them some other resources, maybe, you know, with uh, DART, which is through the sheriff's office, give them some access there. So if they do want to go into treatment at some point in time, they can. Um, and that way, hopefully, if this ever happens again, this person will stay alive. Um, so with that being said, uh, we have provided them at the health department with the Project Dawn naloxone kit. So they're completely free um, to the individuals. You know, they don't even look at insurance or anything like that. They're mm-hmm. just left on scene. Um, and they've left about... They started this in, I think in May, he started to kind of, you know, arm some of the trucks with this leave it behind kit. Um, So, so far, he's been able to leave about 54, 55 behind, which is awesome. Um, And... No, you're you're doing great. Go, go, go. (laughs) Well, I was going to say the coolest part, because right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Things are not normal. Um, And at the end of this year our overdose rates are going to, they're going to be bad um, and they're not going to look normal. Um, and we're in a time of isolation. We're in a time that's completely uncomparable to last year due to circumstance. Um, so keep that in mind. But the small wins that we will be able to see from this have already started to happen. So in August, Zach actually, or Lieutenant Reed rather, he actually told us that Four times he got on scene to an overdose, and that person had already been revived because of the leave it behind Narcan. Excellent, which is so cool. It's so cool. Um, I'm I did see the the headline this morning, and, and I pulled it back up from 13 ABC. Um, let me know if you're familiar with this, and if you'd like to, to speak on on this. It sounds like you did because now again we're we're I t- we talked about it in the earlier podcast today. Like there's been no new COVID information for like the last month. Like it mm-hmm. makes you grow antlers. Like we now know what we have to do to stay safe. And yes, you can do all those things and maybe still get it. And if you do, hopefully you and your family and loved ones are safe. But you know. We now know what we have to do and, and, and to, to fight this um, so we can focus on some of the other things. I've seen articles in the last couple of weeks that uh, people's mental health has, you know, obviously hit the skids, mm-hmm. which was to be expected. But now we're seeing some data on this. And today, 13 ABC, a Melissa Vage story, the Toledo Fire Department is keeping close track of the exploding opiate overdose numbers. According to the EMS runs for August alone, there's a 51% increase in overdoses from August of last year. That That is an increase of 171% in the number of fatal overdoses year to year. And this was to be completely expected. But to your point, you know, emergency services couldn't get out to people because we didn't know what we were dealing with when this first. And just because um, emergency services couldn't tend to people, people were still doing these things as they were out of work, bored or whatever brought them back to um, to whatever the addiction might have been. So this has been I mean, this is why I say it's a pandemic. 
It's not a fun demic. Mm-hmm. It's got tentacles right. everywhere. So you guys had probably planned for this, and this is probably why that the uh, going against medical advice and leaving the kit there is important. Can you talk any more about the increase of overdoses and, and w- what we can maybe expect moving forward? Yeah. So um, one other friend that Floyd and I have in common um, is Eliza with mental health. Yeah. Um, he's quickly becoming someone I rely on so much. He's given me so much confidence. He's so helpful. Um, and I'm just so thankful for him. I do want to kind of go back to the statistics that um, 13 ABC quoted because they misquoted them. Okay. It's a 171% increase for fatal overdose deaths from August to August. Okay. Um, uh, so not for like the entire year. I just want to be clear on that just because that's a really large number. And, but and, and that what could, Elijah... Sorry, that, that could probably be on. a pretty small sample size too. too. Uh, like, I don't know how many deaths there were in a month. It's a big number, but it also could be like if yeah. eight people died last year and there's 23 this year, that's a big jump. And I don't know what the numbers are, but... You hit it right on the head. It was seven last year compared to 19 this S- year. Sm- so so it, it's up and the percentage is big, yeah. but thankfully it's mm-hmm. not like in the hundreds. And with all things said and done and all things being equal, I mean... I'll take 19 because it could have been a hell of a lot worse. And we'd like to call that small sample size theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And those numbers, and, and this is kind of what I was going to say about Elijah, is that one thing that he keeps telling me, and I'm fairly new to this job. Like I just took this in December um, and I really didn't have any background beforehand other than I worked in public health for five years prior to that. Um, so one thing that he has really been able to show me is that numbers are scary and they're not always helpful. Um, Just exactly for what you just said. So a lot of times the news is super um, invested in reporting on numbers, but that doesn't tell the average person sitting at home reading what that means. Um, So we have to look into things. I have to work really close with Elijah and really close with the other people at mental health. And then in the coalition in general, um, and we have to look at like, okay, what does that actually mean? And what is usable? So what can we put in place? And one thing that is so important, especially lately, um, is that over 80% of overdoses happen inside of someone's home. So they're living with mom, they're living with dad, their brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whoever it is. And they're being found by a loved one, a friend or a family member. Um, and so making sure if you know someone who is with opioid use disorder, making sure that you have something in place that can keep them alive a little bit longer, a tool like naloxone or Narcan, um, I should call it, is so important. And it's scary. It's compared to like CPR. When you took a CPR class, were you, I got really bad anxiety. I don't know if you got anxiety, but I was like, oh my God, what if I come across someone who's like on the ground? Now that I've taken this class, it's going to happen and I'm not going to know what to do. I didn't. I just so, didn't want to like break anybody's sternum, or I didn't want to like do mouth to mouth with a stranger. Right, it made you nervous, and you were like, "Oh my god!" And they told you like it's going to save your family member. Well, this is the same kind of thing. It's a, it's a tool that you're going to get for your house that could save the person you love's life. Um, so we give you the confidence of how to use it. It's so. You know, it, it's really simple. It's really self-explanatory. It's a nasal spray. It looks like a nasal spray. 
<laughs> let me let me rewind um, a little bit um, because I think yeah. and, and I'm all about I like numbers I like data I like diving into things mm-hmm. because as you you pointed out you know the, the news can only give you so much information I get it you know sometimes mm-hmm. there's clickbait everywhere and and the news does want to give you hard news that you can use but sometimes you got to do a little bit of homework but they've only got so much time and so many words that they can give you but um, so let me throw or paint a picture of what you said because it's new to me when you think of heroin users abusers people who are addicted uh overdoses i think the vision that people have and and maybe i'm just stereotyping the people not the users um they think of people who are like lying under bridges or down by the docks and they just shot up or whatever they did and they're just going to lay there and die um I think that that's what a lot of people think as uh, of as an abu- uh, as an as an addict. Sorry, but for you saying that eighty percent of these overdoses happen in the home of family member, a friend, um, that that's important to know because that that can help us fight the battle. And as you just illustrated, I'm just emphasizing the point that mm-hmm. if you get the Narcan stuff uh, and you learn how to use it, and you keep an eye in. So many people ask me, hey, I have I have a loved one that deals with bipolar or depression. How do I manage them? You, at the health department, um, are giving people resources exactly how to deal with these people so that you can you can get them off the addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's really important. And we can do so much more, too, because I think Narcan, it's a, it's a scary starting point. Um, I've had moms you know, call me and say, someone told me to come get this, but I'm really scared to have it because if I have it, I think that means that my kid's going to overdose and I'm going to have to use it. And I have no one else who knows what's going on. And so we go above and beyond. Like I've brought people into my office and I've called someone I know that runs a support group and I've had them on speakerphone and I've given them like a warm handoff introduction to say, this person's going to take it from here as far as the support goes. But now you have this and you can feel a little bit better because you're going to help keep your person alive in case you do find them in a position like that. I have an example in my mind. Um, what's what's something that, that that support person says to give that person some peace of mind? Honestly, all the support people that I know are people with lived experience. Hmm, okay. The one I have in mind specifically lost two children to opioid addiction. Um, and so anything they say, I think instantly almost makes that person feel comforted because they're like, it's like a warm hug. Every time I talk to him, it's like a warm hug because he's like, I got you, you know, we're going to, we're going to get you through this. All right. So to put that in a small sentence here, I'll throw this out there. Not only can they give you the Narcan or, or it's available, but they will give you some peace of mind knowing that just because mm-hmm. you're getting it doesn't mean that person's going to overdose. They can walk you mm-hmm. through the, the mental gymnastics of getting over that. The, the example I was going to use, I've, with uh, that is something that I tie back to, to my mental health stuff and something I always mm-hmm. try to share. Um, when you rip up your knee or you have a really bad sprain or you've got, I know this is a bad example now, but you've got a, a cold that just won't go away. You just don't sit there and not tend to it. You go to the ER, you go see your doctor, you get it taken care of. And I equate that to with the mental health stuff. If you're feeling like shit for two weeks, I can say that it's a podcast. We're not on the air. Um, you, sh- you should tend to it just like if a cold were bothering you for two weeks. Um, if like if you've got a, a headache, uh, I guess the Narcan stuff, granted, these people, they have an issue. Maybe some people deal with migraines and they, they take some kind of headache or pain reliever. 
This is the same thing as that in many ways. And by you giving them the Narcan correctly can help get them on a path where you'll never have to give it to them again. Yeah, it's definitely one step towards hope of that, I think. And I, I know it's scary, but it's important. I actually, so we just had International Overdose Awareness Day. It was just like last week, August 31st. Um, and we did an event called Chalk the Walk. Um, I, I worked yes. with our syringe service. It was awesome. Um, and I did an Narcan training and we had a group of people. Um, and one of them, that day was so emotional for me. I think I'm, I'm very empathetic to people. I'm an emotional sponge. So it was like, I, I let myself really grieve everything I do at work that day um, because I do all the overdose fatality review stuff too. So it's, it's heavy. Um, but I had this family come and they had actually just lost their brother. So it was a sister, um, the woman who has children with this individual. And then I think like a couple aunts and a cousin who came and they had lost him five days before the event. Um, and something that, the aunt said, like, left me so sad and, like, motivated at the same time. And she said, um, I'm so glad we don't have to keep this a secret anymore. And I'm like, oh, oh, gosh. Like, they've been so alone dealing with this. And it was so, and, like, then, and then they came and took naloxone and they took it home and they were happy. And they don't know anyone else who, um, is a person with opioid use disorder. That's what we call them instead of um, saying addicts. And um, it just was like, oh, I, I hope that anyone who is living in that secret can maybe reach out. Um, I know it's, it's so hard, but like that's really what I just wish for everyone right now. If they need help, if they need a support person, that they like come forward and try and get it. We're so judgment free in the opioid area at the health department too. And the people in mental health are, and I know there's so many other facets in Lucas County that work on this and it's so open for people. Good. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I feared for all the inroads that we made, um, in the opioid epidemic where things seemingly began to level off just a little bit to go, okay, there's there's a glimmer of hope here. But then back in mm-hmm. March and in April when when the pandemic picked up and we, we found out what we were dealing with, I'm like, this this is going to probably erase a lot of gains we've made. Maybe not in mental health because people will become more aware of theirs now that they're dealing with thoughts and feelings that I get all the time. But this is really going to do a dent in the, uh, the strides we've made in the opioid epidemic. But I'm glad you were on to talk about this. One more thing. Me too. But, Thank you. Of course. You, you're doing great. Um, Nick, Nick Comise. Do you know Nick Comise? Um, not personally, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's in, he's in the people and the crew as well. And yeah, I, think Nick, yeah, I work, well, I work closely with people who work closely with him. So <laughs> three years ago, uh, Nick told me he went somewhere and attended something and learned about safe injection sites. And then I started mm-hmm. to come across articles about them. And, um, I, I, saw that there was a lot of pushback in, in neighborhoods. People didn't want them. People thought that it would cause more drug using and abuse in their neighborhood. But I'm very open-minded um, when it comes to um, treating people holistically and, and in progressive ways. So let me tie that to what you're doing. And I, I know you mentioned it in, in our uh, in our back and forth, our exchange. Let me be, uh, let me be local taxpayer, Al, 
who is upset <laughs> that you're uh, you're giving these people Narcan to take with them. Doesn't that, one, cost me the taxpayer money and then also encourage them to continue doing this? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> I... I think that the resources, you can't have one without the other. If you don't, if you want to argue that you don't want your taxpayer resources used um, for first responders to tend to these individuals, which opioid uh, overdose runs are out of control. There were 200, and this is back to the numbers, 242 overdose runs in August. So 242 times Toledo Fire and Rescue Department went out to someone's house to deal with an overdose. If we can give them resources like Narcan or our, we do, we don't have safe injection sites. No, we're we do not. Probably very far away from that. Yeah. But we're not that we do aggressive have syringe here. Services. Yeah, no, <laughs> we do have syringe services though, which are, are, are pretty progressive um, and widely supported and an evidence-based practice that shows that one in five people can get into recovery. We will not only save people's lives that people care and love and care about, but we will, move forward to get people into recovery. So you you have to pick, it's almost like for taxpayer Al, in your eyes, what's the lesser of two evils? Keep people alive or keep having, you know, with solutions or keep having your first responders going out to their house and having to save them and dealing with fatigue yeah. and dealing with negative stigma. Or worse. Let's um, pick the positive one. <laughs> or, or worse. I, I would also guess that, that the medical care and service that these people are provided when they're when they're taken to hospitals or medical facilities, that's probably in some way your tax, but maybe not directly, but indirectly. That, oh, 100%. Yeah, so it, it, do you want to help these people take a tiny step towards recovery and invest in that? Or do you want to pay for them to, to keep coming back to these places time and time again? So, yeah, you've got to have a wide a wide view on this instead of just going, I ain't keeping these people alive. So Right, um, and, and I will say, it's hard. It is hard. If you haven't lived it, it's hard, but open your mind a little bit more. <laughs> it's tough. And this is why we, we evidence-based is, is can be a big word for people. But there are massive research mm-hmm. projects with people who don't have agendas other than keeping people alive and healthy and showing them a better way to live their life. That, that's what evidence-based means. It's how we get the best care possible. It's how we've done that for at least a century or so. Uh, safe, safe syringe uh, sites. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think I know what that is. Where you can get clean syringes, so you're not mm-hmm. reusing needles. Which anybody our age knows. That's how you get AIDS and everything else. 80s and mm-hmm. 90s stuff. But and it sounds yeah. ridiculous to give people something. It, it sounds ridiculous to give them a conduit to do drugs. But it's better that they do drugs rather than do drugs and potentially spread diseases. Well, and it's a step forward to think of any type of addiction, um, even just like food addiction, you need to do small steps towards recovering um, and a needle exchange or a syringe service. We don't do a one to one exchange. Um, so some places do that where you have to bring clean or bring dirty to get clean. Um, but we just do a syringe service so they're not required to bring in um, dirty needles. But we encourage them to because we do safely throw them away. Um, but they can get, you know, clean needles, uh, fentanyl test strips, which fentanyl, I mean, you've mentioned heroin a couple of times, but it's fentanyl. It's fentanyl in everything. It's fentanyl in cocaine, right. um, in, in heroin, fentanyl. People want 
that in all, which is, you know, a lot that that's really what's killing people. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can come in and get that and it's such a great thing. And one in five people, like I said, go into recovery when they participate in a certain service. So think of it as this person who has decided that they might not have anything left to live for, which we've heard. We've heard a lot of feedback from these people. They don't care if they overdose. They don't care, you know, when they're in their mindset, they're basically at rock bottom in a lot of times. Um, but they're coming into a service where we're happy to see them and we treat them like a friend um, and they start taking ownership for what is going on um, for the disease that they experience. And, you know, we see them on a weekly basis and a lot of them are the nicest people. You know, they're so kind. They sit and chat with us. They tell us what's going on. Um, we do, as far as, you know, disease, spread of disease goes, sharing needles causes, you know, like you said, AIDS, Hep C, or HIV. Um, we test for those things. And we just do all-around harm reduction, so that includes, like, safe sex supplies, too. Yeah, public pu- public health, as many people have learned over the last handful of months, is, is always happening. We just know more about it now because of all the COVID things. And um, mm-hmm. did, did you see that the lady, the doctor, whoever it was, that uh, DeWine wanted to take over for Dr. Acton was like, Mm-mm, no thanks, don't want it. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Oh yeah, my gosh. He was on the co- Oh, that's such a hard position. He oh was, gosh. He was let me see if I can find the story real fast. Yeah, he was a, about to appoint this woman or maybe she verbally accepted and then she withdrew and I can only imagine it's because like yeah, her name let's see, uh new health new Ohio health director withdraws from position. Her name is Joan uh Duve D U D U W V E. Um, she was going to be the director of health, but she withdrew. I can only imagine because Dr. Atkin was like, you don't want that job. The crazy people will come after you. I mean, it's so insane. And you know what? Like, we're not politicians. Public health people are not politicians. We're not made to be politicians, and we're not we're not made to be criticized the way that they are, too. And I think that is so hard. ODH, Ohio Department of Health, is having a hard time with employees right now because of the criticism and backlash. And I mean, it just takes a toll. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like we're not in this for the money. We don't, you know, right. we don't get paid a ton. We're in it because we care. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like I remember watching Doctor Doctor Acton all the time, and I adored her from from the outset. I'm like, this is exactly the tone and intelligence of person that we need. And and I know she mm-hmm. said like, I got in this to be a doctor to help people live and be healthy, not to have people emailing me and like knocking on my door and yelling at me. Um, we got to wrap up, but, uh, but good chat. And, um, who do you perceive president Trump to dislike most women, blacks, Mexicans, (laughs) or all of the above? Don't worry. I knew you, you were gonna ask. You don't me have about to. This. You don't have to answer because um, uh, you just go knock on a neighbor's door. Uh, I'm sure you can look outside, left, right, up, down, diagonal. I can't you, see any Trump signs from my front door. Thankfully, stop that. you must keep your drapes closed all the time. You must not have a window <laughs> on your door. They're out there. You just trust me. You have plenty of neighbors who will let you know plenty about their their demagogue monolith, President Trump. <laughs> I'm staying in Bedford for right now, okay? I just got here. <laughs> Do you know how much cheaper your car insurance would be is if you live if you move to Ohio? Yeah, but everything else is cheaper here. Like what? Like my house payment and my 
Uh, I think my utilities are cheaper, too. Everyone says that they're more expensive in Ohio, but compared to where I was living, that apartment, they're way cheaper already. Go live in... There's plenty of, like... Taxes, ru- too. <laughs> go, there, it, well, if you live in Toledo, you can find a rural spot that's 10 minutes from where I'm sitting right now and be just as happy and pay a quarter of the car insurance. I don't know. <laughs> but, and not and maybe not be... A, Look, I'm, I know that there are people who support all things like everywhere, and I know that in those rural spots that the uh, the president has more support than his opponent. But it's it 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 doesn't have the reputation that Bedford has earned. Honestly, I am going to wait to try and meet my new neighbors until after election season's over. <laughs> right. Or- Not even just for COVID. Like I. I hesitated at first because of COVID. I was like, okay, no stranger wants me walking up to their door right now. But now I'm like, oh, I just don't even want to deal with election season. Or you can do a little science experiment. You can maybe one day put up a, you know, Trump 2020 sign and then your neighbor might come over and go, it's great to have you here, neighbor. Or put up a a Black Lives Matter sign and then watch your home possibly get defaced. Well, Unfortunately, the latter is more my style, so I know. Well, <laughs> I guess I'll have to deal with that. <laughs> we'll f- I know you just moved in there. We'll find you a new spot to live where you can be closer to Elijah and Floyd and Ashley. And how's Ben and his girlfriend? I don't. Ben and his girlfriend are great. I don't think Good. I've met Ashley before. Actually, she would probably know who I am, but I don't think I've met her. Uh, her she- dog is real cute. Ben and his girlfriend's dog is a looker. He's adorable. Um, you Ashley has met you. But you might have been drunk, and she probably definitely was. She just has a good memory when she drinks. Yeah. Okay, well, I 100% was, and I apologize for saying that. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I I told Ashley that we met, she's like, she knew exactly who you were. So. Well, I hope that we can meet again. I know I just asked Ben to do a game night this weekend, so I think we were going to try to do one tonight. Uh, You do, like, board games or stuff? Oh, we love Jackbox. Yeah, me too. Me too. And Farkle. Have you ever played that with the dice? That one's really fun. No, but I do. I do love. Oh, I, I love the Jackbox game uh, games. And Murder Mystery is my favorite. It's so good. Have you played the one on? I think it's the six pack party pack. I gotta know what the the game is. I don't know the the packs by the games. Well, the newest party pack has the newest murder mystery, okay. and it is so good. Oh, there's a new one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah, mine's a little older, so it kind of repeats like the same. I don't know, like twelve, you know, mini games. Mm-hmm. But the new one, I feel like it's never repeated. But it is so they're so funny. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm all about uh, killing people with humor. Like that. That is. <laughs> that's that's my highest goal in life. So that's why I keep the basement it's clean. So fun. My base. The health. Oh god. <laughs> Eric would love my basement. You could you could bury a body down there. How's Eric, by the way? <laughs> Eric's good. He did great um, for our press conference on Leave It Behind yesterday. So that was really appreciated. And Lucas County is level orange now. Yeah, I don't really know that. what that means. but uh, It's it's not red. So red is bad. Or- yeah. Orange is better. I think yellow is next. So yeah, I saw that, I saw that yeah. we came down. And you know, this is all credit to Governor DeWine. He's been ahead of this. And if not for having people bang on the Capitol's door, you know, he probably would have been a little bit more restrictive. But um, Do you think that any of it has to do with bars closing a little earlier? No, I think Floyd hit the nail on the head. And I've... uh, Mm -hmm. He said people have... And I've talked to other people at bars. He said... And people have just come earlier. 
And yeah. in a way, I don't know if you and I talked about this, um, but it all it all it almost could have been counterproductive. I know bars were, were bad, but at least bars might have a prayer of enforcing some rules. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're going to tell these people they can't be here at a certain time, they're just going to go do it at home where there's or in their backyards or wherever um, blocks, and there's no enforcement there. Well, and I think that's part of the problem, honestly. I think that, you know, people are wearing masks everywhere or, like, going to a bar or restaurant, sitting at their table. Like, they're doing good doing that. But it's a matter of, like, being or letting yourself be around people you, A, don't know in a capacity that it's, like, you're at a party, you're at someone's house, and all of a sudden there's 20-plus people there and you only know five. Right. So why are you trusting those strangers? And you're not wearing a mask there. Yeah, I like the people. Um, I like the I've people. heard a lot of young people. Go ahead. Oh, go on. Oh, I was going to say, I've heard a lot of young people, like, straight up say I was asked to quarantine, but I feel fine, so I'm not going to, or some version of that, that I'm like, well, that's exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> I like the people who have made the uh, the, the safe sex comparison. Like, y- you're not just sleeping with that person. You're sleeping with everybody they've slept with, and it's like, right. you're not hanging out with those people. You're hanging out with everyone whose droplets they've breathed in. So, And I've done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I don't see many people anyway, so um, right. maybe I had it and didn't know it, but I, I don't know, but I've, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm, I, perf- I perfected social distancing and isolation long before <laughs> COVID came along. Um, Floyd can attest to My that. My best got my best friend got her antibodies tested and she had had it and she didn't really know well it was at the beginning it was like at, right after she decided to still go on the st patty's day bar crawl yeah dumbass. she actually went with ben yeah. yeah she went with ben so he's one too um but she ended up with like no taste no smell light cold nothing really major but she was out of commission for a couple of days and then she did get her antibodies tested tested positive um and she made everyone at work because she works with her family. She made everyone at work go get their antibodies. Everyone was negative. But when her brother called and her brother was like, hey, my sister tested positive. And they were like, honestly, only two out of like a thousand have tested positive for antibodies. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't buy the uh, people who were saying this isn't a real bad hoax, but like, oh, I had this I had this back in December. You know, maybe I had mm-hmm. it then. But um, then I started to. Buy maybe a little, uh, give give a little more thought to it because in mid February I I can predict the timeline of my colds. Um, it's in the mm-hmm. back of my throat, um, and you, if I can fight it off, I fight it off and it goes away. But if I can't, it's like thirty six hours of Tylenol PM every four hours. And this was weird. It was in my throat, and then th- this was like twelve hours. I had to, I had to call out of work. I came into work in the middle of the night and did the show, and then said, "Screw it, we're we're doing best of today." But then it was gone as quickly as it came on, and that's not usually how I get a cold. No, I'm not saying I had it, but it was definitely different from how I normally get sick. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. Um. What, what was? Thankfully, what? I I don't think I've had it. <laughs> do you, uh keep an eye on this? I a friend said um she said do you promise. To, to swear to secrecy. I said, no, but I'll swear to anonymity. <laughs> so a friend told me that's, that a kid has tested positive at Perrysburg. That's, like at, the high, at the high school or the junior high? Let me, and I know that's not your county, but Perrysburg's weird. No, like <laughs> Perrysburg is Toledo, but it's Wood County. Um, 
Let's see. Well, they're eating and playing and doing stuff in Toledo, you know. Yeah. Uh, they had their first positive COVID kid, not releasing names, but every child that was in the bus, classmate, teacher in proximity to this kid will be out two weeks. A um, couple, mm. couple of kids had 101, fe- 101 fevers and they're being tested. So uh, here we go. Yeah, see, it's so problematic. It's so problematic. Oh, gosh, it's such a mess. All right, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. Good to chat with you. And uh, Yeah, what, thank you. Which of those do you think the president hates most? Okay, well, I got to go. Okay. All right, good to chat <laughs> with you. I'll talk to you sometime, okay? Okay, bye. Bye.